0: Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. Augmented reality allows someone to see the real world with virtual elements overlaid on top. It's often used to enhance gaming experiences. Think Pokemon Go. But researchers at the University of Washington's MakeAbility Lab are using AR to improve accessibility for users who are visually impaired or have other disabilities. One project could make it easier for people with vision issues to play tennis. Another could alert them about potential dangers in indoor spaces. Sha Su and Jay Lee are both PhD students studying computer science and engineering at the University of Washington. They join us now to talk about their work. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, how you doing? Thanks for inviting me.
0: Doing great, Shasu. First, can you just tell us how you describe augmented reality for people who've never experienced it before?
2: Sure. Augmented reality is some technology that overlays information on our uh, original vision uh, abilities so that you can receive actual information about the surrounding uh, spaces and also for uh, usually a lot of amusement related uh, purposes.
0: Hmm. Uh, Jay Lee, um Where did the idea come from to to use this technology not for gaming, um, but to improve our lives?
1: Yeah, I mean, augmented reality as a technology has been used for entertainment for quite some time. And I don't doubt that it's going to continue to make an impact in the entertainment area. Um, but then, you know, sort of we wanted to then look at AR technology as not just an entertainment machine, but rather, you know, can it sort of uh, uh, sort of assist with our sort of day-to-day tasks? And, you know, w- when it comes to sort of air glasses and then sort of anything wearable, augmented reality technologies, they have sort of cameras on them usually. And we thought, well, you know, who can benefit from being able to sort of wear cameras? And we... Thought that that would be blind or low vision people. And hence, sort of, we, we went in this direction of applying AR technologies for uh, those with accessibility needs.
0: Shasu, can you describe the Razor app that you've helped create?
1: Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, the Razor app
2: we created is an app that scans the indoor spaces and shows the poten- potential accessibility and safety issues in augmented reality. So basically, we have the app installed on iPhones, and if if the user scans their home space with the iPhone, the phone in, in real time detects the surrounding environment and sees what are presented in these environments and run through a detailed rubric about accessibility and safety, and then all the possible hazards will be shown in the three D environments in real time. Thus, uh, all the uh, information can be conveyed to the user and hint them to uh, some possible improvement suggestions.
0: What are examples of what the app is looking for? hmm
2: Sure. Yeah. For example, some very common things that we have found in our user study is people may have some uh, hazardous items in their homes. For example, they may have throw rug on their uh, bedrooms or living rooms, which can be some tripping hazards for our target communities, like wheelchair users or blind or vision people. And also, there can be some. uh, furniture dimension that doesn't fit the user's needs. For example, some of the kitchen counters and coffee tables might be a little bit too high or too low for the users. Thus, it can sometimes cause an inconvenience or, in some cases, danger to them.
0: What's a, what's a use case for this? I mean, a, a real-world application? Because really? I, I imagine in, in people's Existing indoor spaces that they know about the dangers that I, I, hopefully they've they've tried mm-hmm. to mitigate those already. So when might somebody use this?
2: Mm-hmm. There are a lot of cases. For example, even though people may have already been very used to their home spaces, their life can go through changes. For example, they can say uh, get injured and suddenly they're on a wheelchair. And some in some cases they might have guests to their to their places. For example, if a wheelchair user is coming visit, or they may give birth to a child, thus they can need to conduct some child proofing of the home. And in all these cases, the app can greatly help people since the, all the information are already incorporated into the app, so that user doesn't need to go through the very uh, uh, very uh, complex process for searching for information online and trying to measure everything and trying to make improvements to everything they can all just use this app and then all these solutions will be provided in, in just a few minutes
0: so for example uh, expecting parents they could mm-hmm. use their put the app on their phone and then mm-hmm. have the camera on their phone sort of take yes. a, a visual pass of their living room mm-hmm. would the app say there mm-hmm. are um, plugs here that, that, that a kid could stick their finger in. There's a, a bookshelf that's not bolted to the wall. I mean, how granular would the detail be?
2: Mm-hmm. Currently, we do detect a lot of like uh, hide issues and also dangerous items issues. For example, if the uh, electric socket is a little bit too low, thus the children might be able to reach them. We just hint it as is as a possible danger. We currently have like a list of 20 different issues that could cause danger to different uh, communities. So, uh, yeah, so in these 20 uh, issues, they're classified into four categories. The object dimension, like a table being too high or too low, we can cap- capture them very well. And object position, for example, the electric socket being too low those dangerous to kids. And dangerous items like some tripping hazards, sharp objects, etc., and also lack of assistive items. Uh, I think for all these uh, accessibility issues, we can detect them uh, very precisely and thus in their high granularity.
0: Hmm. Jaylee, one of the um, projects you've worked on is called AR Tennis. Can you describe it?
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, that project is about how can we sort of help. Uh, low vision people specifically, um, sort of, how can we sort of assist them with playing tennis, really? And and then you know, looking at it in a broader sense, how do we get them to sort of play sports? And so there's there's of course sports that have been sort of been transformed such that blind or low vision people can play um, these sports, similar, but but definitely has some differences. We we wanted to sort of explore how can we get them to play. Sports that, you know, outside that people play as well. And so what the project aims to do is um, we realize that a lot of low vision sports players have trouble sensing depth so for example if you think about basketball if you sort of pass a ball to someone we can obviously we can sort of understand how far away the ball may be and and be able to catch it as well if, if a friend was to pass it whereas low vision people might might have some trouble sort of understanding how far away the ball is from them and so we wanted to sort of uh place visualizations on top of um, sort of moving sports objects such that it it sort of gives people a better sense as to how far away it is or how fast it's moving, and et cetera.
0: Can you describe what is actually going to be superimposed on um the user's headset or or glasses uh, when they when they play AR tennis
1: right. So, you know, given augmented reality technology, they can still see the world. They can still see sort of, if you're playing tennis, you can see the ball, you can see the net. What is being superimposed onto the real world is a a red dot that represents sort of where the ball is. And it's going to be slightly larger than the ball just so that it's easier to hit. Um, And there's also four sort of green arrows um, that are forming almost like a crosshair. um, And that's supposed to sort of, be sort of be be the visualization that increases the surface area of the overall ball. And the reason why this is important is because a lot of low vision people have sort of vision in part of their field of view. And so, if it's just a you know small red dot, then then that ball may sort of go to parts of low vision people's field of vision in which they don't have any vision. And so, sort of there are crosshairs to sort of help them. Locate the ball better, um, especially since the ball is small in tennis, um, and so that's being overlaid on top of a ball.
0: Right. I mean, the ball is small and it moves really fast. It seems like you started with a with a challenging sport um, to make more visually, you know, readable. How quickly can the visual information be? Meaning, a, a ball speeding through space. How quickly can it be processed? and then superimposed back onto what the user is seeing.
1: Right. I mean, we we first of all, we chose a tennis as a sort of um, initial challenge because tennis does have a very small, yet fast you know, moving object, as in the tennis ball. Um, and so it, we thought, hey, if it works for tennis, it might work for sort of other sports as well, um, such as basketball. And so, how quickly can it do it? Well, it's running at about 30 frames per second or so, um, which means it is considered real time. Um, but the problem is, of course, a tennis ball is very fast, as you said. And so, it, it, there is a bit of a bit of a sort of a lag behind it um, as of now. And that's obviously has to do with the limitation of the current technology, in that some of the um, AI artificial intelligence algorithm that we have. It cannot actually be ran on the uh glasses themselves so what we had to do is, is we had to then sort of stream video almost like youtube would um, so we had to stream video onto like an external device um, and run the uh, ai algorithm there and so there's of course latency and lag that happens from sort of sending video over to sort of an external device but once technology catches up and 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 some of these problems are no longer existence, we we have confidence that it would run sort of fast enough such that it can track even a moving tennis ball in space. Mm-hmm.
0: Shasu, I mean that, that gets to a bigger question about just accessibility financially. Where are we right now in terms of the the quality of the tools that we're talking about and and how much it costs for people to actually be able to have them in their hands or or on their faces
2: Great question. Uh, I think it depends on what kind of devices are you using for augmented reality. So for both we two researchers, although we're both using augmented reality for accessibility purposes, we're using different devices. The Resar app, which I'm developing, is using the phone-based augmented reality. And in this case, as long as you have a compatible iPhone, in this case, an iPhone Pro line of then it will just support all the experience we want to provide. And in this case, for a lot of people, the uh, actual uh, cost for using this Device is zero dollar, uh, but f- potentially for uh, Jay Lee's case, since he's using Hololens for the uh, AR implementation, then potentially this will uh, come with the actual cost for a lot of people. Because considering the fact that Hololens is just not that widespread in people's hands, hmm. and probably Jay, Jay want to uh, add some on this question.
0: Yeah, Jay, how do you think about the the cost, which is its own version of accessibility?
1: Right, I mean, absolutely agree that you know cost is certainly going to be a big problem, especially with I think wearable sort of AR glasses. And as Shah said, uh, when it comes to sort of phone-based AR, I, uh, you know, people with access to phones already may be able to utilize the technology right away. Whereas I, I haven't seen anyone that walks around wearing a, the AR glasses as of now. Um, but and, and but the headset that we used is is uh thirty five hundred dollars and and part of the reason why it is so expensive is because it's really for research purposes it's designed for that um, and it's just developed by Microsoft it's called the Hololens um, but there are certainly sort of cheap alternatives that you know the the public can get their hands on right now. Um, that that are going as low as, for example, to three hundred dollars. Um and I think certainly with time, the technology will get better. and certainly, it will get cheaper as well, hopefully, um, given the given sort of the trend in companies building products and whatnot. There has been a trend where the cost of the, these products have declined as well, and of course, you know, I, I'm not saying that it still won't be an accessibility hurdle because, again. People would have to purchase these technologies. But hopefully, at some point, it's being used for a lot of different use cases that it becomes sort of worthwhile to invest in. And then, you know, then accessibility can be sort of be a part of that headset as well.
0: Jay, in the minute we have left, can you give us a sense for the privacy questions that you're also looking into these days?
1: right i mean privacy is certainly a big problem as i said air glasses to us we're looking at this as sort of having cameras that that are sort of constantly on top of your head and if this is constantly looking out into the environment then you run into a lot of privacy concerns especially regarding sort of uh, people around and how would their faces for example be um be included as part of the data that's being sent over um, and so I, I think these are still big problems um, that still need to be resolved. We are looking at this from the perspective of, for example, can we blur people's faces and can we get consent somehow from people that are around that, hey, uh, yes, I am recording the space, but I need this for a specific reason. Here's the reason why. You know, Do you give consent? So we're looking at this from the perspective of how can we get consent from people? How can we make sure their privacy is still being sort of... Uh, uh, preserved while also trying to help people who are who have these accessibility needs and you know for general public to then get access to some of the more cutting-edge technology as well
0: Lee and shasu thanks
1: very much thank you so much thanks for having us
0: Lee and shasu are phd students in computer science and engineering at the university of washington we'll be back after a short break